Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. If you're a fan of the show, write us a review and tell your friends about us. And if you donate at thebittersweetlife.net, you'll not only help keep the show going, you'll get a handwritten thank you note in the mail. And we will never forget you. Also, if you want to sponsor the show, contact us through thebittersweetlife.net. And if you're new, welcome. I'm Katie Sewell. This show begins in Rome, right after I quit my job as a senior producer for public radio and moved there. This was totally out of my character. My co-host is Tiffany Parks. She's a writer, author of Midnight in the Piazza, and she's my childhood friend. And she also moved to Rome, but over a decade ago. She flew there with no real plan and managed to stay. Don't be afraid to start way back at the beginning. I promise you'll be entertained. And don't be afraid to start thinking about how you might want your life to be different. We're all on this journey together. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And if you hear any background noise in my house, Tiffany, it's because not only are the neighbors upstairs wandering about, but they're doing construction next door and some guys using a blower outside. So this is the perfect (laughs) trifecta of how noisy can everybody be. Turns out, really really noisy today well i can't hear anything from my end well you know you are all the way in rome and i'm here (laughs) in san francisco so uh if you could hear that much then this would be a really really good connection we have okay so i wanted to talk about a story that was in the news recently Mm -hmm. so here's the idea i'm gonna ask you some questions along the way but since you live in rome this is a story about rome so i'm gonna be depending on you a lot yes for our listeners i have heard about this i haven't read the whole article but people in rome actually have been talking about this as well and especially on social media lots of rome bloggers and stuff are weighing in on their opinions of all of this all right great so this month the month of june the mayor of rome instituted a new quote-unquote get tough approach trying to crack down on boorish tourists and the romans who attempt to exploit them (laughs) before i get more into like what this ban actually is and how it's going to affect people going to rome who is the mayor of rome right now virginia raggi she's actually quite young she's from the five star party which is sort of the kind of populist party i guess you could call it And she's been in power for maybe two or three years. The thing with Rome's mayor is it's like the most thankless job on the planet because it's an impossible job. It's impossible to be the mayor of Rome. And it doesn't matter who it is, they're always hated by the Romans. Every time there's like trash piled up in the garbage bins, oh, that mayor, you know, every time anything bad that's happening in the city, they always blame the mayor. And 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 I do have a little bit of pity for any mayor of Rome because I feel like It's such a complicated city. How much can one person do? Yeah, even in this article, they quoted one of her opponents saying, trying to crack down, the city's never been filthier. (laughs) So as an illustration... Well, maybe that's why she's trying to crack down. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I tend to take her side because, well, I voted for her, first of all. I'm not in favor of the five-star movement anymore because they've aligned themselves with the fascist Lega. So I'm not a fan of the five-star people anymore, but I do think that she's well-meaning. She's kind of inexperienced, but I think she means well. And I think that every mayor of Rome and any politician really 
at least the well-meaning ones, like they pick their battles. Like you can't solve everything. And I feel like in Rome, particularly a mayor will be like, okay, I'm going to crack down on such and such. And they're like, well, what about this other thing that you're totally ignoring? And it's like, give me like a chance, like one thing at a time, man. <laughs> it's a big city. It's an ancient city. It's yeah. got lots of problems. Yeah. Mayor is just a hard job in general. Years and years ago, there was a mayor in Seattle who essentially got fired from the job. In other words, wasn't reelected in large part because Seattle had a snowstorm and didn't have the capacity to clean it up in any kind of timely manner. Yeah. Get this mayor out of here. You know, I've been stuck at home for two weeks, so I get it. Okay, so she wants to institute this get tough approach on tourists and Romans who exploit them. Also, the article mentions that some of these measures were already in effect in Rome, but they weren't very strictly enforced and they were only temporary. So they were going to expire and she has now made this permanent and the city council voted unanimously to make these things permanent. So specifically when it comes to tourists, the law bans eating or drinking or climbing on monuments of any kind, which I guess includes stairs. You don't think of like the Spanish steps as a monument, but that's what they're talking about is don't sit on the Spanish steps and eat. I think the Spanish steps is clearly a monument, yeah. <laughs> in my opinion. Right. And the steps to the Capitoline Hill would probably that's be That's another one. Yeah. Another one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you're not allowed to walk around partially clothed anymore. I don't feel like you were ever allowed to do that, but okay. Of course, <laughs> waiting in the fountains is banned. That's been banned forever. Yes. Never been allowed. Not since La Dolce Vita anyway. And those are the things that the article cited. But the biggest change is that there's a brand new consequence that enforcement can use to uh, dissuade tourists from doing things like this. If you are caught disobeying these rules, it can get you exiled from the city of Rome for 48 hours. 48 hours doesn't sound that extreme. True, but if you're only there for three days. <laughs> yeah, if you're only there for three days, sure. You just showed up. Exile, that's such a dramatic word. <laughs> exiled, that's how they wrote it. You get exiled from the city for 48 hours. The article also says that this is not, Rome is not the first one in Italy to try to crack down on the tourists more recently. Apparently, last year, Florence created an ordinance that said that people could be fined up to 500 euros for eating on sidewalks or in doorways near the Uffizi Gallery. Good to note. Okay, yeah. And in Venice, you're not allowed to eat in St. Mark's Square unless you're in one of the approved cafes that are there. All right, that seems a little bit unfair. That seems like maybe a little corrupt. <laughs> yeah, a little, little like, these are the most expensive cafes in the whole city. Yeah. No eating. Yeah, no, you can't eat anywhere. And the cafes are like giving kickbacks to the to the legislators. Exactly. So before we get into what the Ro how the Romans are exploiting the tourists, what do you make of all this? I would say in general, I think it's a good thing. Yes. I think most people like in Rome, whether they're Romans or expats like myself, I think that they have one pretty strong opinion on one side or the other of this issue. I think it's a good idea. I saw someone post on some social media about this very brief summary of the article with a photograph and someone commented, then it's not going to be Italy anymore. And I think that people have this sort of kind of romantic notion that like in Rome, anything goes and people, you know, ride around on Vespas with no helmet and they do their own thing and live and let live. And it's part of the enjoyment of the city is just like sitting on a, the steps of the Campidoglio or sitting on the steps of the Spanish Steps and having a panino or something. I personally don't think that that romantic notion 
is weighty enough to balance the mess and the just real chaos and disorder that that kind of behavior, whether it's tourists or non-tourists, that it causes. And it really, I think, degrades the city. And obviously there are lots of things degrading the city. And I'm not going to point the finger solely at tourists because Italians are the biggest litterers in Europe, probably. (laughs) Not to mention the graffiti. Not to mention the graffiti. So it's not just tourists. But I think if you're going to attack one thing at a time, which is kind of what you have to do, I think it's a good place to start. It's probably a little bit easier to enforce. And I think it's a small price to pay. It's like, okay, I can't eat a panino on the Spanish steps. Am I going to (laughs) die? Is it going to ruin my vacation? No, it's not. It might if you get banned from the city of Rome for 48 hours. <laughs> yeah, yes, it'll get banned. And I think that it's extremely important if they're going to do this, if they're really going to do this, that they need for people to know. They need to make it obvious. They can't just like come up on you, like surprise you. And you have no idea you're sitting there, you're having a cookie on the steps of the Spanish step and like kick you out of the city. That's not fair. So there needs to be some kind of signage. It needs to be clear or the, or the police need, who enforce this need to give warnings. Yeah. Otherwise, it's, yeah. Just, it's just not fair. But beyond the eating thing, I am extremely frustrated and annoyed by people who climb on monuments. In Piazza del Popolo, there's a huge obelisk and there's sort of a raised platform that the obelisk sits on. And in the four corners of this platform, I'm sure you remember, there are four statues of lions and their fountains there's water shooting out of their mouths into little basins below it's very lovely now i don't know about the average tourist but i can speak for myself that the first time i came to rome i had no idea that those lions were ancient it just never crossed my mind as an american that something that was two thousand years old would be in a public place like that It just is inconceivable, really, for an American. Anything that old would be in a museum, like behind bulletproof glass. So as an ignorant young American in Rome, I assumed that they were, I don't know, a couple hundred years old, 300 years old. Maybe they dated back to the Renaissance, maximum. But I just didn't really think about it. And um, that's not to say I was climbing on them. But I see people climbing on those lions every single time I'm in Piazza del Popolo every time. And I see moms with their kids getting their pictures taken, two, three girls sitting on one of these lions at a time. And honestly, I tell people when I see it, I tell them to knock it off. And I tell them like, do you know that that's 2000 years old? If that was in your city, what would you think if people were climbing on it? It really bothers me. Because it's part of the patrimony of the city. It's part of the wealth of the city. And to climb all over something like that, just to get a photo is so disrespectful and it's so just negligent because things do break and people do break statues and it happens from time to time and everybody's always horrified when it happens. But it's really no surprise if nobody is enforcing these rules, if nobody's telling people like, hey, you get off that statue, then it's going to happen. It's going to keep happening. And it's a tragedy when it happens. Yeah, I think one of our favorite statues, the elephant statue didn't it have its part of its nose broken off? Yes, yes, it did. I, I can't remember now if it was on purpose or not. Uh, if the person who did that did it on purpose. Yeah, I, I can't either. I feel like it might have been vandalism. I remember that they didn't know where the part of the nose was for a while, and then they got it back. Yeah, and the same thing happened to a fountain in uh, Piazza Navona about 10 years ago. 
but someone did it on purpose. They caught it on camera. I honestly though, like the vandalism, like the people who do that, it almost bothers me less than the people who destroy things just by gross negligence. The person who destroys a fountain on purpose, they're kind of beyond beyond repair. Like you, we can't reach them. Like they're just, they're crazy. I hope that's not true. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be able to reach them somehow. <laughs> I hope it's not true. But I mean, just in my world, in my world, I can't do anything right. to yeah. like stop this crazy person from like taking a rock and like knocking off the nose of the elephant. Yeah. But the people who are just like, who just don't think about it, who just don't care, who just don't take the time to think, hey, this is an ancient work of art. It's a priceless work of art. Maybe I shouldn't be swinging my backpack by this ancient statue. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that Rome is a city that deserves not just respect. It deserves like a certain amount of, okay, what's the word? (laughs) (laughs) My English always fails me. Reverence. I really think that Rome deserves reverence for the city that it is. And it's not the only ancient and important city in the world, but it's one of them, one of the few. And, you know, it's the one I love the best. There's so much history in this place. Like, we're all these tiny little grains of sand in the story of Rome. And that one of those tiny little grains of sand could destroy something that is 2,000 years old simply out of negligence. Just It just doesn't seem right. And I think people should care a little bit more. Well, it's interesting because Rome, Florence, Paris, these places that have these giant swells of tourists every year, a wave coming in, a wave going out. Well, you not only have to contend with this swell of tourists all the time, which definitely changes the way that you just live your lives, but it's like having this giant foreign group of people coming in and operating in your city. What do you see tourists do besides climbing on things? What terrible, boorish behavior? Like something you notice a lot that people do a lot. The climbing on monuments is the number one thing. But one thing that I've noticed is that it seems to me that people from countries that are a little more, little more quote unquote, civil, like Germany or like the Netherlands, the people from those countries do things in Italy that they would never do at home. And I think part of the reason is because they see Italy as a more permissive place. You know, no one's going to come and arrest you. You know, you can ride the bus and not pay for your ticket because the chances that someone's going to check your ticket are so slim. They would never do that at home. Or, Or just littering. I remember several years ago now, there were some Dutch football fans in the city. And there was a big game between... Italy's national team and the Dutch national team, I think, or it might have been local teams, I'm not sure. But the Dutch fans rioted in a pub and like totally destroyed it. I know nothing about Dutch football hooligans. I don't know. We all have stereotypes of different countries. And I have a stereotype of Dutch people as being very polite, very orderly. I mean, I've been to the Netherlands and, you know, very nice, very friendly, very clean. And then they come here and they do this. Is it them or is it their fault? Or maybe it's our fault. Maybe we're showing them that that kind of behavior is okay here. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because a couple of weeks ago, we did the icons episode and talked about in some ways how movies make certain things permissible in certain cities. And I mean, Rome is very hot, 
But I don't know that people would think that part of a carefree visit to Rome would be swimming in a fountain if that hadn't been a big part of a famous movie. Well, actually, I never thought about it that way. I never put the two together. That like the Dolce Vita scene was what inspires people to go in fountains. But that's funny. I just never thought about it. But it made me think of an article I read. And again, I can't remember where I read this. But this girl, I think American girl, swam naked in a fountain in Rome and got in big trouble for it. She was quoted in the article as saying, I thought that was okay here. See, this is where the walking around partially unclothed band comes in. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, I honestly don't get it. What would make you think that it was okay to be naked in public anywhere? I can't think of a place unless you were like in a native culture, like an aboriginal culture, but you'd have to be from that culture. Beaches in Barcelona? Okay, well, nude beaches are one thing. There are nude beaches. That's a different thing, I think. The beach has its own rules. But anywhere beyond a beach, I don't know. And, and a nudist colony, obviously. What is it? Maybe, you know, and that's why I come back to that idea. Maybe it is the fault of Italy that people think they can get away with this stuff. And I mean, I see it every day with Italians with the parking situation. People park in such an irresponsible manner in this city. And I understand when you're in the center of town and there's like literally nowhere to park and you're desperate and you might park in a place that's not exactly completely okay, but you do it and you, you know, maybe you do it for like a brief period of time. But in my neighborhood, there's plenty of parking. There's no problem finding parking in my neighborhood. And nevertheless, people park in totally ridiculous ways that actually put drivers in danger and pedestrians. Because if you park along a curve near a sidewalk, near a crosswalk, and someone's crossing the crosswalk and the cars can't see them because there's cars parked there, you are actually endangering someone else by your irresponsible parking. And Cloud and I are always complaining about it. But I always say, I'm like, people would not park here if their cars were towed away. It's that simple. All you need to do is enforce the rules and people start obeying them. And you can't really fault people for disobeying rules that are never enforced. It's a good point. Just like you said, I don't think I paid for more than, what, three bus tickets the entire time I lived in Rome. You see? And would you do that in Seattle? Never. No. And in San Francisco, as a matter of fact, on the trolley system, it's on much of the trolley system, not the touristy areas, but on much of the trolley system, you get on and you beep in. But it's not like anybody ever comes on and makes sure you beeped in, you know. But yet you just, you just do that here. That's just the way it is. Whereas in Rome, if you got on and you made the little um, register sound of beeping in on a Roman train, everybody would look at you like you were crazy. <laughs> like, did that person just pay? What the heck's wrong with them? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, totally schmuck. Hi there. I'm Katie. And I'm Tiffany. Taking a brief moment out of the show so I can ask Tiffany a question. Yes. So, Tiffany, you listen to podcasts, right? I mean, besides ours. Of course I do. Okay. Yes. Well, see, me too. And I was just thinking the other day that sometimes when a show that I really love pops into my feed, I feel a sense of relief. It might not be relief. I don't even know what the word, right word would be. No, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, because, you know, you're excited when the show that you love comes up and you wait the whole week so you can hear it and then... Yeah, I totally feel the same. Yeah, it's just so great to have it there. Well, so my question for you is, do you think that there are listeners out there that think the same way about our show? Like they get a little electric spark when they see it 
I know there are. I mean, I, we've had so many people write to us and tell us. I'm sure there are. So the question is, are you out there, dear listener? Are you the person listening to the sound of my voice who feels a sense of relief or joy or just plain excited when the show appears? If you are that person who has found that through the months and years you've come to rely on the company and conversations that you're finding here, please... Keep those conversations going by pledging your support at our brand new Patreon page. Yes. Oh, by the way, do you yeah. know what Patreon is, Tiffany? I do. Patreon is this amazing website that makes it really easy for you to support the independent art that you love, like us. Like us. And you can receive fabulous prizes, too. Um, depending on you know how much you want to pledge to support us, you, there are certain prizes. For example, if you're thinking of moving to Italy now or in the future, if it's an idea that interests you, you won't want to miss my exclusive guide created just for our Patreon supporters called How to Move to Italy Without Losing Your Mind and several others just for people who, who might be traveling to Italy as well. That sounds relatively important. If you're planning on a trip to Italy or a move to Italy, you definitely don't want to lose your mind. And that's just one of the many exclusive gifts you can get, pick out, select when you pledge your support for our show at patreon.com slash the bittersweet life podcast. We like to consider ourselves artists and we made this thing. And if you like what we're making, please support it too. Yes. And Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. So that's patreon.com slash the bittersweet life podcast. And I will put this link in the show notes, of course. And we thank you so much for giving back to the show that keeps you in good company. And now back to the show. So let's get to the uh, one other thing about this article before we run out of time. The other thing that it addresses is something that's already been addressed multiple times, which is trying to target the Romans who are playing centurions at the Colosseum and around the Forum. And apparently that's been, they've been banned over and over and over again by repeated ordinances, and yet they still exist. So regardless of all the bands, they're there all the time. They've had a really hard time dealing with them. So maybe why don't you at least tell people who have never been to Rome what they are, and then we can talk about them. Okay, well, most people call them gladiators. You're actually using the right word, centurions. But most people call them gladiators because they think that that's what gladiators dressed like. But actually, the costumes that they use are the costumes of the Roman soldiers, the centurions. They've got the big helmet with the sort of like, uh, you know, Marvin the Martian type yeah, thing yeah. on top. Like a little broom on the top. Yeah. yeah, basically exactly how my husband was dressed when I met him because yeah. we were at a costume party. But they hang around and they basically get people to pay them to take their photo with them. On the surface, I don't think it's such a terrible thing. Just in theory, people love it. The tourists love it. They love having a picture in front of the Colosseum with, you know, one of these guys with a knife, like a fake knife at their throat. You know what I mean? It's, it's like going to Disneyland and taking pictures of Mickey Mouse. It's what you do. But the problem is in Rome, everything becomes a racket. <laughs> like you can't have a nice, innocent thing like that. It will always get out of control. And I saw this with my own eyes in the tourist world with people who would recruit tourists to go on tours on the street, what started out as a nice, friendly operation with like 10 or 15 people in a friendly way asking people if they wanted to take a tour turned into like a mini mafia <laughs> with all these like scary 
people who had connections with the police and like it became a mini mafia. Like it wasn't a literal mafia, but it was run in the same way that a mafia is run. It's like the default in Italy. It's so common for things to fall into that trap. It's like a default for much, not all, but much of Italian culture and society. And I think that that has happened with the centurions as well. And I think they have their little racket and they have people who protect them and they have a certain amount of corruption. And there's certainly people who are looking out for them because they're getting something from them. And they have also now gotten into, for the past 10 years or so, they got into the tourist tour guiding business as well because I think they were down there and they started to realize how much money the tour guides were making. And they were like, we want a piece of this pie. You know, we've been here longer than you. We're not just going to take pictures. We're going to do tours too. And so that just made it that much worse. And I don't know enough about that whole operation to really be able to give any facts about it. You know, why the other laws against them didn't work and stuff. But I just assume that it's it's because of that. I mean, it's like the mafia. Like, how do you fight the mafia? It's an age-old question. There's no easy solution. I don't know that they knew in the article either, but what they cited was if he sees the police coming and he knows that they're going to get in trouble, they have, like, baseball hats somewhere nearby. They just whip the helmet off and put the baseball hat on and try to disappear into the crowd. It's just sort of that, you know, avoidance. Yeah, but... It's not just the helmets. Yeah. I don't know what those things are called, but like the little skirt thing that they wear, like the leather skirt and the breastplate and the arm plates and sandals, they're pretty easy to spot. But I mean, it's not ideal for them to have to run away. So even if they are able to run away, if this rule is truly enforced, it will not be like it was before. They'll constantly have to be, you know, looking over their shoulders and such. I do know that they... Many of them have been known to rip off tourists as well and charge a lot more money to certain yes. people from certain cultures. I have seen them get really aggressive with tourists before. People who innocently snap a picture and then try to walk away without making a deal with them or like maybe they take a picture of them when they're not standing with them or something. Yes. They will try to get paid for that. They're not down there. Just to- yes. And that's another very important point. They might not tell you how much it costs. They might just say, hey, come here and take a picture with me. And again, the ignorant, not to use that word in a negative way, but just somebody who's never been there before, somebody who doesn't know Rome, maybe somebody who's used to Disneyland vacations. They just think, okay, these people, maybe they work for the Coliseum and they, you know, they make the experience more fun and more interactive and let's take a picture with them. And then, oh my gosh, it's 500 euros. I mean, now... I don't think they're usually charging 500 euros, but I think that they will try to get whatever they can get away with. Yeah, so my tip would be avoid them. Even if, if they don't crack down enough to have them not be there, mm-hmm. don't get that Instagram picture. No. Nope. <laughs> nope. Same goes for unless you really want a rose, if somebody offers you a rose in a square, don't take it from them. Did this article say anything about those street sellers? Because honestly, I find them much more annoying than the centurions. Anywhere you go in Rome, anywhere, the Piazza Navona, like even big boring streets where there's like nothing beautiful to see and everywhere, those, there's sellers everywhere, whether it's roses or those little things that go splat on the ground or the little things that fly up into the air. It's like you cannot go yeah. 10 feet without having someone stick something in your face. And I think that that could be yeah. gotten rid of too. Well, that wasn't in this article, but we could file a petition. You could file a petition. Yeah. 
I, it's complicated. It, it opens this huge can of worms, though, because... It does, because it's about immigration and survival. It's about immigration and survival. That's exactly what I was going to say. Those people, it's like that, you know, most of the people who sell those things are from, are immigrants, are poor immigrants. Or illegal. Often illegal, definitely poor, generally have no other way to make money. If they're not making money doing that, how are they going to make money? Maybe it'll be something worse. So yeah, maybe it's yeah. better just to like be like deal with the little puppy doll that walks around and not have them, you know, breaking into your apartment. Ah, uh, yeah, it's all trade-offs. Yeah. Well, so tourists, if you're going to Rome this month, this summer, this year, behave yourselves. Stay out of the fountains. Yeah, don't eat yeah. on the Spanish steps. Don't eat anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> just eat in a <laughs> or restaurant. Eat while you're walking, you know, just as you're walking down a street. So that's allowed. I hope that's allowed, at least eating while you're walking or on a park bench. Not that you can find one, but if you do, on a bench. Yeah. If you go to Via Giulia. Yes. Okay, I'm not going to suggest this because it might be considered, you know, in, um, not Via Giulia, Piazza Farnese. Yeah. You know the Palazzo Farnese, there's like this big long bench that runs along the front of Palazzo Farnese. And it's such a lovely place to just sit and have a sandwich on a Sunday afternoon. I wonder if that place is off limits too now. I've shared a piece of pizza with you on that very bench. I think we have. So maybe we should be pointing the fingers squarely at ourselves. And some (laughs) figs as well. I think we ate some figs there and I think we were taping while we did it. We did, yes. Well, taping in public places is a whole other can of worms. (laughs) As you know, uh, in our recent episode with Amy Herman, her and I got kicked out of the Whitney. So (laughs) I'm not above being kicked out of things, but I would prefer not to be kicked out of Rome for 24 hours. Or 48 (laughs) hours. I mean, 48 hours, even worse. (laughs) All right. Well, we should leave it there. And until next time, behave yourselves, like I was saying. (laughs) Until then, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Thanks to Lori Lee Elliott for her help managing The Bittersweet Life on YouTube. And to Sarah Johnson for her consultation. Our logo is made by Jody Rick at the Lost Laboratory, with painting assistance by our muse, Caravaggio. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for The Bittersweet Life Podcast. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. That way we're here for you every week, both on Monday and now on Thursday. And if you review us on Apple Podcasts, we'll be grateful for you. Send us your topic ideas, questions, and voice memos. We're at bittersweetlife@mail.com or at the Contact Us page at thebittersweetlife.net. Bittersweet Life.